Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. everybody welcome back to believe in the jaguars right here on the believe podcast network my name is phil smith aka phil the filipino and of course joining me is your other co-host james johnson managing editor of the jaguars wire over on usa today and jay happy victory tuesday we're gonna take the whole damn week you know i don't care if it's not victory monday we're gonna take victory monday tuesday wednesday as long as we want because the jacksonville jaguars gotta win over in London against the Miami Dolphins. And man, Jay, what a day it was. What a morning it was. You know, we got it out of the way and just a roller coaster of emotions. And I am excited to finally talk about a Jacksonville Jaguars win. It has been a long time, my friend. (laughs) Yeah, it has been a long time since week one of last year, week one of the regular season, to be exact. And, uh, you know, right now we are the definition of that meme with the guys standing on the podium, first, second, third, and fourth, with <laughs> yeah. us pouring the Clico all right. over ourselves and celebrating <laughs> like we want to go. That's right. us right now to be one in what? What is it? One in five now? But at the same time, though, like you know, people don't outside of Duval don't understand the struggle it's been, you know, and people and we'll talk about this. People don't understand outside of Duval, regardless of who it came against, you know, like it's been a tough stretch of you know the last three to four months for the Jacksonville Jaguars between, you know, people uh, staying on Urban Meyer's case and, uh, so you know, and, and staying on Shad Khan's case, rightfully so, you know, in the national media and putting the Jaguars on the lowest part of the totem pole is different now because we're never in the national media like that. And now we are, but for all of the wrong reasons. And what better way to fix all of that than a win, uh, which happened in dramatic fashion. We'll talk on that. But, yeah, glad to be back, man. I'm, I'm excited about this episode, man. We, we finally get to have an upbeat episode, you know what I'm saying? And uh, we finally uh, get to uh, share that elation with the fans and, and share that happiness with the fans, and this, that, and the other. So, yeah, man, I'm ready to get this show on the road. And as always, man, we appreciate everybody rating, commenting, and subscribing. Exactly. Different vibe all around. Look what winning does. Look what a win can do for everybody. So, you know, we feel your excitement, Jaguar fans. And trust me, Jay and I are just as excited to do this episode. And, you know, before we get started, of course, as Jay mentioned, thank you all so much for supporting the show. We truly, truly appreciate you. And if you're a first time listener, if you just stumbled across our show, welcome. We are super happy to have you here. Jay and I do our best to deliver the best Jacksonville Jaguars content in the podcast universe, and we really appreciate it. So whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, or TuneIn, we thank you so much for joining us. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Jay, I don't know if you noticed this, but you can now leave podcast reviews on Spotify. So whether you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please give us a five-star review. That is one of the best ways you can support the show. You can also find us on social media, at Believe in Jags Pod on Twitter. And you can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And of course, Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore One Don. One thing too, we're also on Amazon, to which we said in the past, but we don't say it every episode consistently. That's correct. I need to add it to this list. Yeah, right. I need to add it to my script. <laughs> we are also on Amazon Music. So shout out to Believe for getting us there. Uh, so of course, you can find us on Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of the awesome Believe Podcast Network. And make sure you keep up with the jaguarswire.usatoday.com for all of your up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguar news. And before we truly get started, we also have to give a shout-out to this week's sponsor, BetOnline, because BetOnline is back and better than ever. They've got a new web interface for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. 
from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, Jay. And of course, we are going to discuss the game between the Jaguars and the Miami Dolphins. But first, we do want to get a couple of smaller stories out of the way. And this first one here, Jay, is just absolutely wild. We saw it come from Adam Schefter a couple hours ago. So we're recording this here on uh, Tuesday the 19th. And he had tweeted out that Dewan Smoot, of course, Jacksonville Jaguars defensive lineman, had to unexpectedly deliver his own newborn daughter at 4 a.m. this morning. Here's what the statement says. Jaguars starting defensive lineman Dewan Smoot unexpectedly delivered his newborn daughter, Alani Moon Smoot, this morning at 4 a.m. at their home in Jacksonville. Dewan and his wife, Amari, were heading out the door to the hospital, and she fell to her knees, and he had to catch his wife then deliver the baby in his living room. The paramedics talked him through tying the umbilical cord over the phone. Dewan, Amari, and Alani are all doing well after his heroics, which the full team was informed about today. And man, Jay, when that story came across, you know, the Twitter line, I was just absolutely shocked. Of course, the most important thing is it sounds like everybody is safe and healthy. And man, you know, I pride myself in being a really, really good dad. But I don't know if I could do what Smoot did. <laughs> yeah, it's the definition of a super dad, man. Just right there on the spot on the go and uh, being able to function on the phone through all of that. You know, just imagine that part right there. Just getting all the details to the T from the paramedics and all of that. But um, yeah, man, uh, congratulations to one and uh, Amari for the birth of their daughter, man. Like it's and I, I haven't experienced this yet, but a lot of dads tell me this is nothing better than bringing a child into the world. So, man, I know he's on cloud nine right now. And I know also, too, man, like, you know, ordinarily you have a just and I kind of wrote about this, you know, you just have a bye week where you kind of just chilling and, you know, taking it easy, you know, but <laughs> you know, not for the Smoot family. Right, right. right which I'm sure he <laughs> won't mind one bit, you know, t- taking care of his newborn and then. So, yeah, just imagine, man, you, you come off the flight from London, you come home, have to deliver a baby uh, kind of unexpectedly and uh, um, abruptly. But I, I'm sure he would do it all again several times over and over again if he had to. And, um, yeah, man, it's just a crazy chain of events for Smoot over the last three days. Hey, Jay, listen, Dewan Smoot went over across the pond, put up an 88.1 PFF grade and then came home and delivered a baby. <laughs> Right. I don't think there'll ever be a stat line like that ever again. Yeah, he he had an 88.1 from PFF and then a 100, you know, father metrics grade, whatever, whatever that would be. Right, right. (laughs) Shout outs to the Jaguars social media PR team, too, man. They uh, they got the little graphic out, you know, uh, one one uh, first victory of 2021. And then they got also one baby delivery on his little graphic. I don't know if you saw that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Take that, Titans. How many how many babies you guys delivered this year? <laughs> right, right. Nobody's beating us in the baby delivery category, man. We out here. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, again, most importantly, just really happy to hear that everybody is safe and just an incredible story. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we just wanted to open with that and, you know, a little bit of really, really positive and, and happy news because we do want to get into some sad news as far as, you know, a lot of Jaguar fans were pretty upset and understandably so because this man was a big part of the franchise over the last four years and delivered a lot of really, really clutch and memorable moments. And of course, we'll be referring to kicker Josh Lambeau being released today. And, you know, Jay, this is something we saw coming. We kind of just were waiting for it to officially happen. And lo and behold, it did happen today, this morning, the morning of October 19th. And, you know, we, uh, of course, salute Josh Lambeau for everything he did not only for the team, but also for the fan base and for the community. And I believe in his statement, he said, you know, his time in Jacksonville is just starting as far as, you know, his work in the community. But just wanted to give Josh a shout out. And even though things didn't end the way that I'm sure he wanted them to, we are super appreciative of everything he's done for us. And we definitely wish him the best. Absolutely. Yeah. As one of his harshest critics on the field, um, I always speak highly of people that do the right things off the field for Jacksonville because 
you know, that's what the city needs too. You know, I mean, they, I guess you could say they need both people that do it on and off the field. But look, even if you could provide one of the two, man, in terms of being a gr- a good Samaritan off the field like Lambo was, man, I would call that a success. And you could tell that it was a successful run for him, just not just on and um not on the field, but off the field as well. Because as you said, you know, uh, he's kind of alluded to it in his statement. According, to, I haven't read it myself, but I think you aren't the only person to say this. He kind of alluded to it in his statement that, uh, you know, he wants to kind of stick around and do things for Jacksonville in some way, shape or form. You know, time will tell on that, how, you know, how he goes about it. But, um, yeah, still a sad day, even for me being one of his harshest critics, you know, for what, two years now, still a hard day. And you still don't want to see it coming and you still hope, as we had been saying the previous weeks, man, like, we really hope he could turn it around. That's what that was the hope is that he could get it together. But you know, sometimes with the kicker position, as you said, kind of with Josh Scobie, like it just abruptly disappears. You know, sometimes it's there and then it's just gone. It's kind of like you know the quarterback position at times, and uh, that's what happened unfortunately here. But uh, nonetheless, like what I like about the situation, I mean, like despite how sad it is that we're gonna be losing Josh Lambo in terms of a player. The best part about it is you look at the videos and we'll talk about this later as well. You look at everything we saw from the game. He's keeping Matthew right up beat. You know, he's lifting him up on the field and he's talking to him like what better way to, you know, even in, in your last days, which he probably knew what better way to go out than at least, you know, seeing a young man go out there and, um, you know, do his thing and to be able to pep him up and keep him up beat and see him through the process. So, I mean, the NFL needs more of that. You know, it's a lot of veterans that don't give, you know, and I, it ain't a lot. I don't want to say a lot, but oftentimes you'll see like veterans don't give the younger cats or the younger young men the game. You know, we hear that all the time. Like, oh, Peyton Manny wasn't all that great of a tutor to Jim Sorge and Tom Brady wasn't all that great of a tutor for Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, we people hear that often, but to see Josh Lambo do it that way, and uh, go out that way is, you know, that's a class act guy. And, uh, yeah, he's a guy we'll truly miss, man. Well, I mean, special teams is a little bit of a fraternity. You see that amongst all the different position groups. And it's not any different for special teamers, you know, as far as kickers and punters and all those guys go. They understand how difficult and thankless the job can be. That's one of the most important things is that it can be an incredibly thankless position because, like you just mentioned, Jay, it's a position that things can just change on a dime like it can just immediately go wrong for kickers specifically because the kicking game as much as it is physical it's almost equal if not more parts mental and when the kicker has hit that mental wall then it's hard for them to come back and we already saw that once with Josh Lambeau and when of course he left San Diego and then was able to find it again here in Jacksonville so again whatever he does next he's going to be great at it we're still going to see him here around the community which is fantastic. So like we said, definitely wish Josh Lambeau all the best and thanks for the memories for sure. And then the last little bit of news here, Jay, we want to talk about some local developments as far as the downtown projects. Now from a release we received from the Jaguars here earlier today, just want to recap what happened last week. On October 12th, the Jacksonville City Council voted unanimously to give the green light to Jaguars owner Shad Khan's vision for the Jacksonville shipyards a mixed-use development project across the street from TIAA Bank Field along the St. John's River. The project will include more than $300 million in private investment and include a Four Seasons and residencies, a new six-story office building, a modernized marina, and restored Metropolitan Park. Construction will begin as soon as June 2022 with a guaranteed completion date of December 2025. Now, of course, just prior to the start of the season, Khan also received city approval authorizing construction of a new $120 million sports performance center on the site of the Jaguars' current practice fields. The 125,000-square-foot facility will serve as the Jaguars' new home of Jaguars football operations, including locker rooms, training, and medical facilities, office space, and a draft room. The facility will provide enhanced public areas, including shaded fan stands, thank you, God, restaurants, concession areas, retail store, and public art displays. The Sports Performance Center paves the way for a transformation of the stadium, ensuring the team and all business operations will continue to be based in Jacksonville, and the Jaguars will play home games at TIAA Bank Field over several years of potential renovation. 
Construction will commence as soon as the 2021 NFL season concludes in early 2022 with a goal to open in advance of the Jaguars 2023 season. So Jay, of course, that last bit, a little bit of a recap, but the big news is on the approval of the downtown projects. And listen, this is a big deal. And we have always been people to say, okay, we'll, we'll believe it when a shovel goes into dirt. But this is as close as we've gotten in a very, very long time. And you know, it's okay to be cautiously optimistic, but it's also okay to be excited. And I certainly am both cautiously optimistic, but very excited about these developments. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you, you don't never want to jump the gun until, you know, shovels hit the dirt. But I mean, when you go through the city council process and, uh, you know, the paperwork is signed and the financials are worked out, it's, it's pretty much a done deal at that point. I mean, I guess some people would say <laughs> the city council has, has signed their life away in terms of the money that they're going to spend because there's, I guess there's no turning back at that point. So, but still, you never know with how we've seen things go down in the Jacksonville community. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely great news for the city and it kind of went under the radar, you know, cause they won the game on Sunday, you know, like we were all upbeat and happy about that. And then they win a game as well. And then, you know, other things happen, you know, Smoot has his child delivered. So it's so many things that just, you know, positive things that's happened that kind of just overshadowed it. But that being said, man, yeah, I like the uh, updated renderings that they put out there. They got a little pro shop that they showed. I, I think I sent it to you and Boogie. I might have seen it. It's a little Jags pro shop, which is unique because the Jaguars haven't, not to my knowledge, had a pro shop that you can go to at the stadium, like, you know, after hours or when they're not playing in the game. You know, you can't go in the stadium and buy jerseys. So that's different. Like you said, they, they have a shaded area in terms of, the bleachers so you know training camp people ain't out there frying to death and hopefully that shade is going to translate to TIAA Bankfield where it's needed even more like good god like just imagine having to sit through the games that people have had to sit through over the years in 100 degree weather that's just I mean I, I used to be one of them at one point in time you know so <laughs> I know but um that being said man uh yeah that that's pretty dope that uh you know they got all of the renderings done and that the city council really liked the updated renderings. I think like, you know, they needed to add more aesthetically to it and whatnot. Like it was a little, I guess maybe the city council might've thought it was a little bland and it needed like, uh, you know, more elements to it. And, you know, as you mentioned, they're going to add, like, I think artwork is going to be added into the mix from the locals, which, you know, that's something that kind of Blythe talked on about, you know, it's like getting the locals involved with this stuff and, and what have you. And most importantly, as we've already said, you know, uh, it's a commitment from the city to keep the Jaguars in, in Jacksonville, you know, through all of this relocation talks that never seem to go anywhere. And then again, in addition to that, really, this is like, you know, the pregame process of getting the stadium renovated. And as we all know, the stadium is the bigger deal because essentially stadiums are what keep teams in the city so you know this this shows that they're going in the right direction who knows what the stadium renovation costs are going to be though like that's another hurdle to clear at another time but it shows that the Jaguars are eyeing that they want to get them out of the stadium so they can work as those renovations are being made and uh yeah from all of the renderings that I saw I mean the indoor facility we haven't seen anything I noticed this we haven't seen anything on the inside by the way these are done by Rossetti who did, uh, I think they did the the Miami Dolphins recent practice facility that went up this year. So, like, that's what I'm real curious to see, like, what's the locker room look like? The, what does the inside of the indoor facility look like? Uh, what do the offices look like? Just out of curiosity, just my love for engineering. But I guess that'll come in time, and uh, those are, you know, the last little things that they'll How have. can we incorporate the next stadium stampede? You know, we these are questions we need to know. Right. Dude, there you go, like. <laughs> If you can show me what the inside of the office building look like, I can start in the script right now for Stadium Stampede for Tony Khan, man. And most importantly, <laughs> right, exactly. dude, most importantly, <laughs> again, the Dolphins have a slide from floor one to floor two in their facility. Where's the slide? That's what I want to see. Because, I mean, if it ain't no slide in there, like, why you build dude? it? Yeah, Why yeah. Build it. Like, come on, man. <laughs> you can't do it for the Dolphins and don't do it for us, man. Like, and better yet, you know what? We want a better slide. Better yet, we want a slide that goes from the actual stadium from TIAA Bankfield into the actual uh, office buildings. 
you know, like a, a tunnel slide that can transport you from one place to the other. Let's do it that way. Since Shah Khan like to do it big, that's what I would recommend, you know, but you got to pay me for my idea, by the way. Yeah, that's whatever we need to do to copyright an open idea. That's what we just did. So if you see Shad Khan or Tony Khan steal that, you know where it came from and you'll hear from our representation. But it is an exciting time. And again, you have to be or you have to be a little cautious when you get excited about this stuff. But at least it's heading in the right direction, you know, farther along than we've seen it before, which is good. So that's always a cause for excitement, along with, you know, of course, everything else that has gone on over the last couple of days. So yeah, those are just a couple of stories we wanted to mention before actually getting into the game here, Jay. Now, of course, no Behind Enemy Lines. We will resume that series next week, of course, when we face the Seattle Seahawks. So it'll be just Jay and I here this week talking about this victory. And of course, as we've already mentioned, the Jacksonville Jaguars defeated the Miami Dolphins 23-20. to And, you know, it was a game that early on had the opportunity to kind of get away from them. I believe at one point they're down 13-3, to and then they get that big touchdown to Marvin Jones, and a touchdown that, you know, you can make the argument that the biggest play of the game was that fourth down conversion throw to LaVisca Chenault, you know, and he falls for it. Man, LaVisca had himself some big plays. Uh, let's go through some of the stats here on the box score. Trevor Lawrence, 25 of 41, 319 yards, one touchdown. James Robinson continuing to play grown man football, 17 carries, 73 yards, a touchdown, 4.3 a carry. Marvin Jones, 7 catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. Jamal Agnew, 5 catches, 78 yards. LaVisca Chenault, 6 catches, 54 yards. And then J-Rob also tapped on 3 catches for 28. And the offense here, Jay, I mean, this is one of those moments. I think it's a signature moment for Trevor Lawrence where, yes, did they beat a bad team? Yes, but you have to beat these bad teams. If you're going to establish yourself as a team that is on the rise, these are games you have to win. The Miami Dolphins team that is somewhat reeling, you know, Tua has been struggling. Uh, He did have a good game statistically, but, you know, did make some questionable decisions throughout the entire game. But this is going to be a game where if they start to turn this thing around here, Jay, and not saying they're going to go in some playoff run, just that they're going to continue to be competitive. This is one of those games where they weren't able to close in the last couple of weeks, but this one, they figured it out. And that's really all you can ask for from a young team and a fairly new coaching staff. Oh, oh no, nah, man. It's, it's, it's Super Bowl or bus after this, man. <laughs> like, this is... Okay, well, like, we have very different <laughs> expectations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, that wind, oh, come on, Dolphins or whoever, 12 and Dolphins, five. Rams, dude. <laughs> it's, it's time to go on a run, baby. I mean, have you seen our division? No, that's... I'm joking, but, I mean, well, I mean, that's kind of the truth, Henry? though. Have you <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. It is true. But, uh, yeah, that being said, man, like uh, everything you said, I pretty much agree with. I think one thing I, I do want to point out there is, you know, people actually it's two things or or it's, it's multiple things. Um, People, you know, keep going to the fact that, hey, like they were without two of their starting corners, without two of their on, on offense, without two of their starting receivers. Well, the Jazz were without their starting two of their starting offensive linemen. Brandon Linder was out, you know, and that sent her to quarterback communication is key. And, you know, I kind of mentioned this in one of my articles. I forgot which one specifically, but uh, I mentioned this, uh, you know, those reps that Trevor Lawrence got with not Brandon Linder, but Tyler Shatley in the summer during training camp. You know, we were making a big deal of like, oh, man, like Trevor Lawrence needs to see reps with the ones. He shouldn't be battling Gardner Minshew for, you know, the um, the starting quarterback role and so on and so forth. Or the battle should go on for just so long, like two weeks, whatever number you put on it. But actually, it came to help us in this case. I still think they should have decided to make Trevor Lawrence the starter earlier. But this is a scenario where that helped us. Him and Tyler Shatley getting those reps together, uh, you know, two Clemson guys. They already probably got a connection as anyway because they're two Clemson guys. And I think they have the same. This doesn't have to do with football, but they have the same uh, agent. So they probably knew each other well before now is what I'm saying. That's why I bring that up. So. Anyway, you know, you saw that connection come into play, uh, you know, because a lot of times, you know, the center points out specific things with the defense that's very important to the quarterback. And, uh, you know, he kind of points out who has who on the offensive line. So, you know, playing center uh, in the NFL isn't the easiest thing to do. So 
that was uh good to see. And as I said, Cam wasn't there. And in fact, you know, for anybody who want to run the whole injury excuse for the Jags winning, well, the Jaguars went to their third string guard in this game because Ben Barch, who was in for AJ Cam, got a concussion. He sustained a concussion and had to come out of the game and didn't come back. And they had to put Will Richardson in there. So, you know, here you got uh, Trevor Lawrence, who is, and, and James Robinson behind the line, that's basically their second and third teamers. And, you know, from that standpoint, you got to give them credit, Trevor Lawrence and, and James Robinson and that whole team in general. You have to give them credit for that. And, and another thing I do want to touch on is, like, I know you've probably seen this too, uh, and I, I'll get on the rest of the offense in a little bit. I don't want to get long-winded, but if you look at all of the replies, right, to all of the graphics, for example, the Miami Dolphins put up, you know, hey, this was a score 20 to 23. Did you look at the actual replies from Dolphins fans under those field? Because it was marvelous. Like they, as a fan base, <laughs> are in shambles. No, <laughs> I, I didn't hate see to laugh them. At oh, man, it's bad. But what I want to say is like, I think they're being a little dramatic, though, because this is the thing, man. Like the Dolphins only had one win coming into this game. Like how much more better than the Jags did people think the Dolphins were? I think we all could agree that we knew the Dolphins were a better team than the Jaguars. They had better coaching than the Jaguars. They got better players, for you know, at certain spots than the Jaguars. But we didn't think they were like, you know, this team that was just going to run away with this. You yeah, know, they in the spread. You weren't right, the, the 70, was... whatever, Dolphins. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those guys with Don Shula and them. But, yeah. The spread was only, what, 2.5 or 3.5? Even a healthy Dolphins team uh, would have had a little trouble with this Jaguars team. So, like, I just think, like, you know, like, I just wanted to point that out. Like, I just think, like, the expectations on the Dolphins side of things were a little too high. When It's like, did y'all not see the rest of the game, uh, the rest of the games y'all played this year and how y'all offense was near the bottom of the league like ours? You know, like, it was really a 50-50 crapshoot. And, you know, we've heard people say this in the past, really, any given Sunday, any team could win, even against a team that's supremely better than theirs. What he So that just kind of threw me off. But anyway, man, um, shout outs to Marvin Jones. He had a great game. Uh, he was a guy that him and Trevor Lawrence bailed this team out of several bad situations. Uh, and this could have easily went in the Dolphins' favor, by the way. This game could have been a victory for them. But him and him and Marvin Jones, they're showing that chemistry that they were building when they were jumping in the lake together uh, months ago. This is when that stuff kicks in, when they're out there throwing at Clemson together. And, and you know, the Clemson equipment guys have to put new marks on the Clemson field because they don't have the same markings as they do in the NFL. This is where all that stuff kicks in and helps you out. Uh, the same thing applies with LaVisca, albeit LaVisca had several drops, right? We talked about that. He also made several key conversions, two key conversions that I can remember. I know on that last drive that they scored in the first half, he converted a fourth down. And then, of course, the last offensive play of the game for the Jaguars, where they called a slider play that, you know, LaVisca caught that as well. And, you know, kudos. Another thing before I uh, wrap this up, kudos to Urban Meyer and his staff for that, that situation that they had been doing in practice. And he talked about that because we've been hard and critical on the staff and the decisions they made personnel wise and not playing James Robinson the way he should. Okay. Well, let's give them credit where credit is due now. Colin slider or whatever he named it in that situation shows you that this team, at least, you know, to some degree, they go through scenarios in practice that could come up in a game and actually save you and turn it the tide of the game. And that's what exactly what that was because me personally, I was looking at the clock saying, Hey, I don't think they got enough time to even do that. I would go for the Hail Mary because they have multiple DBs in there that's second stringers. But kudos for them to having the the knowledge to know, like, hey, we can make this happen and get it done. And um, Urban Meyer made it happen. They made the call, and the rest is history. And you also have the benefit of good clock management in the second half as well because you have all three timeouts to work with, which leaves the entire field open in that type of scenario. They don't have to work the sidelines to try and get the clock stopped. They have the entire field to work with. And th that's another testament to what to the coaching staff as well. Go ahead, Jay. You're right. That wasn't the most perfectly coached game by Urban Meyer and company. It's, it's plenty of flaws and mistakes in there that'll kill you against another team. 
But yeah, you bring up a good point, right? To show you the difference in clock management between Urban Meyer, who's in the first year of his NFL career, and the difference between Brian Flores, who is a somewhat of a veteran who's been doing this for two to three years. He blew both Urban of those Meyer challenges back to back. Why? 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 You know you might need those timeouts in the end. You know how hard it is to convert challenges and the, the challenge rating and this, that, and the other. Why even make those decisions and leave yourself without two? And they, they were almost like back-to-back challenges, too. Like, he just just throwing challenges away. So if you're Brian Flores is, and a guy that I really respect, and me and you have talked about him in a, a high fashion, in a high way, but those decisions kind of were questionable to me, albeit you can make a case that maybe the ball did touch Jamal Agnew's hand, but, you know, I wasn't on the field. So guess what? I can't make that call. So <laughs> that being said, you know, yeah, I don't, that baffled me. The uh, decision to go for the two challenges and uh, come up short. And they really bit him in the behind in the end. It sure did. And let's also shout out Jamal Agnew, who had another really good game. Five catches, 78 yards. I mean, when you talk about guys stepping up in the absence of DJ Chark, Agnew has taken that opportunity to show that he is not just a special teams threat. He can go out there and make plays. He had a uh, a catch, I believe, in the third quarter, too, that was just an incredible acrobatic catch by him. And, you know, I said this during the game as well, Jay. I was texting our group thread. It's like, man, you're seeing Trevor Lawrence each and every single week figure this thing out. And this is a game previously that we would have lost with Gardner Minshew or Blake Bortles or Chad Henney or Mike Glennon, whoever the hell you want to throw back there. This is the difference that a generational quarterback makes. And sometimes, Jaguar fans, I think you can relate to this. You just got to smile and say, holy crap, that's my quarterback. (laughs) Because I certainly was doing that a couple of times on Sunday. I absolutely agree. Well, first, I'll start on Jamal. Heck of a game as a receiver. And he's slowly becoming one of the better all-around players in football. Like, he's literally your prototypical Patriots player. Bill Belichick would probably trade us. <laughs> he probably would trade us a third round. Let's pick. get those six round picks. <laughs> probably give us a third for Jamal Agnew because he's just good at a lot of things. I will say this on the punt. You know, like I probably would have preferred him to get the hell away from that one because that was a dangerous play. And, you know, like who who knows what was going through his mind at this because he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. That's, you know, that's not what I'm getting at. But that one scared me. That one could have turned the tide of the game. And I'm sure, well, I bring that up because I'm sure him and special teams coach and former Jaguar safety Nick Sorensen are going to talk about that probably. And they're going to be like, yeah, in that scenario, you probably need to get away from that one. So um, that could have turned the tide of the game. Uh, yeah, and, and like you said with Trevor Lawrence, man, I didn't even really get to talk on him because of uh, what went good around him. But, and that was my mindset anyway, uh, not because of bias or whatever the case may be, but just in general, because we've been there through the thick and the thin. But I share those sentiments in the sense that for me, regardless of what was going to happen this year, uh, if Trevor Lawrence showed up day in and day out, that's huge. That's huge. And that's something that as Jazz fans, regardless of if we lose or win, that's something we shouldn't take for granted because we never had that in the past. We never have been able to look at the quarterback position. Like sometimes you will let the losing overshadow, you know, overshadow the good. And in this case, the good is as good as it could get. We have the answer at quarterback, you know? So that's my advice to the fans heading forward. If, you know, anybody willing to take advice from me, um, I wouldn't take advice from Phil for sure. But anyway, if anybody wants to take advice, no, that's, from actually, me, that's actually a good call. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, don't let, regardless of what's going on, don't let it overshadow the play that we're seeing from Trevor Lawrence because Gardner Mitchell would have been back there dosy doing and all of that behind the pocket getting sacked. Okay, I'm te- I'm here to tell you a, sp- a call a spade a spade. Mike Glennon ain't bringing you back in that game. If you, you know, you get down whatever, 10 to 13 points, whatever it was. He's not doing that, Chad. He's not doing that. None of these quarterbacks. Now, you can argue that some of the veterans we had can't do that. You know, that, you know, the David, Go- or, or should I say some of the higher tier quarterbacks we've had, David Garrard said, well, Mike can't do that. So what this young man is doing is special and just, you know, at times don't let that lose and overshadow that and, and let us take that for granted because I've never been able to come on a podcast and say week in and week out like I have now that 
hey, at least we have the quarterback. At least he's making the right decision. I've never had that luxury in my career journalism, and I've been doing this since 2012, 2011. From Blaine Garrett to Blake Bortles, that's something that uh, definitely won't be taken for granted, and I'm excited to see what the future holds for him. That's right, Jaguar. So in the famous words of one Y2J Chris Jericho, drink it in, man. (laughs) Just enjoy it. And like Jay said, appreciate that we have the guy because, man, really, really, really good things are on the way. Let's look at the defensive side of things here, Jay. Now, you know, you look at two of his numbers, pretty solid, 33-47, 329 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. (laughs) The interception, though, was bad. (laughs) That is a bad interception. And that is, they just got the ball after a fumble. So, you know, of course, the momentum immediately swings back right to Jacksonville. And also, you know, on that interception, let's also shout out Nevin Lawson, who after eight years in the NFL gets his first career interception. So great, great job by him. The running game, they couldn't really get going. Malcolm Brown, five carries, 24 yards. Salvin Ahmed, seven carries, 22 yards. Now, as far as the receivers, though, they kind of ate. Eight catches, 115 for Mike Gusecki. Jalen Waddle, 10 catches, 70 yards. That guy is going to be a problem in the league. And you see why he was so heavily touted and why of the, you know, the three big wide receivers that people were talking about, you can see why it was like a bit of a toss up because he is good and Dolphins fans, you should be excited about him. But Jay, you know, we talked about the defense earlier in the day before we were getting ready, just being all over the field. And, you know, a couple of guys, of course, we shouted out Josh Allen with a 92.9 PFF grade as far as on Sunday. And Rudy Ford, we talked about this in our group chat during the game. Rudy Ford had himself a hell of a day, 83.1 PFF grade. Again, for those of you that buy into those statistics, but Josh Allen, Jay, was back there all day. He was all over the place disrupting the pass. And, you know, he may have not gotten any sacks, I believe, but he definitely was affecting the passing game all game long. And, you know, it was one of those things where, as we mentioned in previous weeks, where we keep seeing the defense hold and hold as long as they can. But this week, you know, even though the team did go down early, they held on just enough for their star quarterback to do the rest. Yeah, they were, you know, it's the classic old, you know, the saying that's been there since the beginning of time, since football started. They were in being but don't break mode. You know, they held the... Dolphins to what was it a couple field goals that could have been touchdowns they held them they made them punt at least three times or more with the talent they have you'll take that you know because you know they aren't going to be a team that's going to get a lot of picks a lot of interceptions a lot of fumble recoveries Uh, so if you can stop a team from getting seven points for right now with the talent they have you'll take that gladly And, uh, yeah, I guess I'll start with Josh Allen, as you said. Uh, Josh Allen, especially in the first half, I was looking at it on Game Pass. He played lights out. I mean, this guy was – he was everywhere, man. He – it was times where I seen him pressuring Tua, almost getting a sack. And I know a lot of people say, well, I don't want almost sacks. I want sacks. But he was there so frequently that you'll take – you'll probably take the pressures and the pressure rate that he had over over one sack, to be honest with you, because – a lot of those plays affected Tua's play in terms of getting the ball to who he wanted to get the ball to. It was one time when they were backed up in their own end zone. Josh Allen almost really got the safety, but he went for the arm. And it was a tight end wide open in the flats over there. Josh Allen went for the arm instead of more so of the sack and prevented that ball from getting to that tight end in the flats who's pro- who probably was going to turn the ball up knowing our defensive backs and make that a first down. Uh, It was little small key things like that. And it was little small key things. Like I remember one play where it might've been um, one of the running backs. I forget. It was it Wilson, one of the running backs, Wilson or somebody, they caught a, like a ball out in the flats or they caught a short pass basically from Tua and Josh Allen had made it all the way almost to the quarterback. And he's 10 yards away. He's not even in the frame. Right. And I see him come from behind and chase the running back from behind who's eight to 10 yards that caught the ball. And you could really just see that relentless, uh, that relentlessness in his play uh, in terms of just being tired of losing. And you can see it in all of their play. It's not that anybody's giving up and nobody's giving their all, but you can really see the desperation and the hunger in Josh Allen's play. 
and he affected in, in, in that last offensive possession for the Miami Dolphins. He's the guy that gets back there and stops that run, you know, short for a yard or whatever the case may be. And the Jazz get the ball because, you know, Miami turned over on downs. Like, taking full advantage of them putting a tight end on him. Josh Allen's thinking like, oh, you're going to line a tight end up on me? Okay, you got to pay for that. You got to – and it, it, it was the most costly play – of the whole game for the Miami Dolphins because that was what put Matthew Wright essentially in position to make the game win the field goal. They turned the ball over on down. So, I mean, like, he really played like a first – and Jordan DeLugo said this. He really played like a first-round pick, a top-ten pick. And, you know, I don't know if it's sustainable that we'll see that out of him every week. I mean, because this is a, a not-so-good Dolphins team. But if we see anything remotely close to this – throughout the rest of the season. Um, you know, it's just basically confirmation of what we said. Like, Josh Allen is a good complimentary piece. He just needs the guy next to him, and he really proved that. Um, as you said, Rudy Ford had a good game. They used a lot of dime. I mean, you talked about that. And we talked about that with Kevin O'Striker as well. They used a lot of dime this game, maybe because Miles Jack was injured. So he got his time to shine. He did his thing. Um, he was it was one play. He chased some um, he was trying to chase a tight end from going out of bounds and stopping the clock. But he his speed was on this play. I was like, dude, that dude might run four, two, four, three speed or something like that. <laughs> We've heard about his speed, but like that was my first time seeing him strike out like that. So he had a good game. We mentioned Smoot as well. He was all over the place. He had an identical game to kind of like Josh Allen. You love to see that, and then he comes home and helps his wife deliver a baby. What a week for him. Uh, so, yeah, man, it was a lot of great things that went on, man. Shaquille Griffin, uh, he had okay game, only allowed four catches for, like, 40 yards or something like that. Um, but the rest of that secondary, they just got beat up on, man. It was like, I, I guess what the Miami Dolphins did was just big boy them to death. You know, like, whether it was big tight ends or, or big receivers, they, they were like, hey, make a play on these guys. And the Jaguars didn't for the most part, but it came from crucial points in the game where the Jaguars did make plays or others made plays uh, that wasn't in the secondary. And, uh, you know, that's how we ended up winning the game. Yeah, do they still need, you know, those alphas that we've talked about in previous weeks? Absolutely. But there comes a point in the season where you get a little bit of a signature win that turns the fortunes around of a team. And yeah, the Dolphins might not be very good, but you have a couple of games. We talked about it. This was the first game where it's like you have an opportunity to rattle off a few wins between here and then after the bye week, you go to Seattle against a Russell Wilson-less Seattle Seahawks team, hopefully. and A Seattle Seahawks team that doesn't stop the run all that well either, like the Dolphins. So they're wor- they actually are statistically worse than the Dolphins at stopping the run. I think they're like 30th against the run. So worth noting there exactly and then after the Seahawks game of course you do get the uh, the bills but you know that one might get a little rough so you do have these couple of games here that you you know you do have an opportunity to at least get a couple of wins build some momentum and then you know who knows what happens in the next home game against Buffalo but yeah Jay and then of course last but not least we have to shout out the special teams because unlike previous weeks it was not a point of pain for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Matthew Wright, of course, has yet to hit (laughs) any field goals at TIAA Bank Field, but you know what? Who cares? We're just going to talk about Sunday because he went three for three on field goals, two for two extra points, and then, of course, hit that game winner. And we'll talk about both of them here first. You know, the first field goal, I I can't remember the name of the commentator that we had, but he was immediately sure that that one wasn't going in, and so was I you know, watching that screwball. It was like an old school screwball in baseball. And that thing found its way through the uprights. And then, you know, you talk about Trevor and LaVisca putting him in position to kick the game winner. And honestly, there was just no doubt. I'm sure you guys, just like I have, have gone back and watched that thing over and over again. And when your team hasn't won in 20 games and in over a year, yeah, you get to react that way. So (laughs) I hope nobody was criticizing them for that because, again, it's a young team. They're learning how to win. So congratulations to Matthew Wright, you know, after, of course, having a tough week last week and the kicker position being kind of in flux here in Jacksonville. It was great to see the kid come out and be successful and then hit that game winner. Really, really happy for him. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, What a game by uh, Matthew Wright. Like you said, that field goal, that second field goal, it it looked like it was definitely going to miss at first. 
and it, it took that hook to the left and it went in somehow like he even admitted it he was like I kind of thought that was going to miss and then he said the offensive lineman kept watching like this has a chance to make it and it actually made it and you know what that does you know a ball like that that looked like it wasn't going to make it but actually did that boosts your confidence you know that 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 just heading for maybe that's the kick that turns Matthew right into a cold-blooded killer and and by the way we kind of talked about him last week right um, and I want to bring this up a little pat on the back here, but you remember I was telling you, give the kid another chance because for one, he's young. He's only been in three games. His misses weren't terrible misses. It was a difference that we were seeing. One was a little short, but it was it would have went down the middle if he would have kicked it hard enough, one of his misses. And, you know, one of them, if I can recall, I think the extra point, I have to go back and look at this. Um, Don't quote me on this. The extra point just barely missed two. Uh, but I, I have to go back and look at that. But in comparison, we were seeing how Josh Lambeau kicks were coming off the foot. And, you know, we don't want to knock the guy because he's been cut. But I'm just saying, like, for comparison's sake, they weren't coming off his foot as fluidly. And they were going wide wherever, wide left, wide right. It was a difference. And, and again, like I was saying, like, start with kickers when they're young. Matthew Wright's only 25. He's a guy that you can kind of mold through the, the good and the bad, right? He has a low moment. But he's so young to the point where you can you can pep him up and get him kicking right again. A prime example of this is what we've seen. You know, we all seen that summer camp documentary, right, with the Jaguars. It was kind of like hard knocks, but it was a summer camp edition where they had to mold Josh Scobie into who he was, that the kicker that we knew him to be, right? He was dealing with nerve issues and this, that, and the other. So they put a lot of pressure on him in practice and simulated situations and from that point on, got, uh, Josh Scobie became one of the greatest kickers that the Jaguars have ever had in, in history. So what I'm saying is you start with them young, like they did with Josh Scobie. You start with them young, like kind of like the Jaguars were trying to do with Jason Myers, right? Look at Jason Myers. Yeah, he's not with the Jaguars, and he struggled mightily when he was here. But look, he's, he's with the Seahawks, and he's been with the Seahawks for, what, two, three years now? So they obviously— Pro Bowler with the Jets. Yeah. Obviously, they're comfortable with them. So you start young, you you boost these kids up, and you kind of turn them into the kicker that you want them to be, whereas that's harder to do with the Josh Lambeau, who's been in the league, you know, going on his second, that was his second time, and who was, you know, a little bit older. Uh, you know, it's kind of harder to get them out of the rut and, and pull them up and, and get them where they need to be. So, you know, who knows if Matthew Wright is the future for the Jacksonville Jaguars, you would certainly hope so. Like, he really just comes to the facility and does his work, right? He don't really talk, they say. Uh, he's so, like, lightly voiced. Like, Urban Meyer had to get him to talk up when he got the game ball. But he's just a guy that put his head down and work. He was a software engineer, he told Trevor Lawrence, before uh, <laughs> signing with the Jazz. It's crazy, right? You can't help but root for a story like that, and hopefully he's the guy. But I do believe the young man has good stuff. in his last kick, by the way, you know, a lot of people kind of have been not high on his leg or his leg strip. But that last kick, the game winner, cleared the uprights about five yards. He could have made it from like 57, 58. I mean, and then if you're looking at kicks past that 60 yards or so, like, okay, that's a, you asked for a little too much at that point anyway. You know, everybody ain't Justin Tucker. So, like, who wants to put a kicker in that situation anyway if it's 60 or whatever yards? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it looks like he has enough leg, and we'll see where his career goes, man. Yeah, who knows what happens next, but Matthew Wright, at least for now, hey, enjoy it, man. You're the most popular person in Duval County right now. So, great, great game for him. And, uh, yeah, we I certainly hope that he is the guy as well. It would certainly make things a whole lot easier the remainder of the season to not have to worry about kicker for the next uh, you know, 12 or so weeks. But, uh, Jay, I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of this win? You know, of course, no behind enemy lines this week. So we're going to end it here shortly and just relax and enjoy the bye and maybe go and watch that game-winning field goal again. I don't know. It's <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, it feels good, even though we're not where we want to be. And we feel like we should have two more wins at least or somewhere in that ballpark, one or two more wins. It's, it does feel good because it's been an exasperating first five to six weeks. And to end it like that, that only makes it better. So, you know, that it was good to end it on that note and get some rest and 
you know, as jazz fans, I mean, jazz fans need a break from this too. Like sometimes they're so, you know, we're so caught up in fan and we don't understand, like we need a break from this team. <laughs> like they are not the easiest to consistently watch. So yeah, man, we'll see where things go from here though, man. I mean, we don't want to put a number on wins or anything heading forward, especially from what we've seen. And no, they just beat a Dolphins team that wasn't that great. But I mean, look, maybe some good things could come in the next part of the season. Um, like you said, we're playing a Russell Wilson-less Seattle Seahawks team. The Colts, who are one of our next opponents, aren't playing all that great. You know, they Carson Wentz isn't what they thought. They could be fighting for the first overall pick. Look, some good things could come out of this. You know, you never want to get too up with this team. But, you know, at the same time, this could, as you said, this could trickulate into something better, this win. You know, sometimes wins give you momentum for the better and the team takes off from it. And, you know, maybe that's what happens here. But we'll see. Time will tell. That is right, folks. But as you mentioned, for now, just enjoy the win. Enjoy the bye week. And we'll, uh, of course, get back to it with Behind Enemy Lines next week. But, Jay, this has been just so great to talk about a victory. Again, before we get out of here, I want to thank you all so much for supporting the show. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give us a five-star review. We would really, really appreciate it. And before we get out of here, Jay, is there anything else that you want to let our listeners know about to look forward to, not only here in the podcast, but, of course, over on The Wire? Yeah, I probably lay low this week in terms of and not, you know, not having to cover NFL football. But yeah, I mean, after that, we'll, you know, talk some Seahawks, hopefully with a, a guest or two and in terms of getting some intel on them, you know, so really we'll just, we'll pick it back up around Monday. I mean, I'll work a little bit, but it's not going to be anything crazy uh, with it being a bye week. And again, Urban Meyer made our jobs the easiest here. So like we, we're going to just yeah, lay low, Urban, please. stay home. Please stay home. <laughs> when the game was over, I was like, take him straight to the plane right now, man. Like just, you know, but uh, I mean, like his his interviews actually weren't that bad afterwards. Uh, you know, well, nah, then again, well, I don't know. Like, I think some people were making a comment about something he said about a root canal comment. And some people didn't like that. I didn't see that. But aside from that, it sounded like the interview process has gone better than they've gone in the last few weeks because every conference, man, it's like, oh, man, what is he going to say? Now? Baby steps, man. Baby steps. Yeah, we baby steps, y'all. But um, yeah, man, we'll just lay low until Monday. Then we'll pick it back up, start looking at the Seahawks and we'll go from there. All right, everybody. And as a reminder, you can, of course, find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast as part of the awesome Believe Podcast Network. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter, Believe in Jags Pod. Follow myself, Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. And make sure to keep up with the Jaguars Wire for all of your up-to-date Jacksonville Jaguar news. Enjoy the victory week, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here and Believe in the Jaguars. Don't forget to believe in the Jags, but more importantly, believe in yourselves. And we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.